Greetings, saints. So good to have you join us here this Tuesday night. This is a, another time for us to gather and to be before the Lord. Normally right now, you'd hear the band queued up and they'd be playing and they'd lift us up before the Lord. And uh, you know, I always say we have the baddest band in the land. And that bad band was led by none other than our own minister, Lamont Williams. Unfortunately, the Lord called him from labor to reward as we been talking about, you've heard in our post and our preaching on the weekend. We just have to say that we're hurt, wounded by it, but we know he's in the very presence of God. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Back in July, I was meditating before the Lord and a song hit me by William McDowell and I sent it over to Minister Lamont. I said, would you, would you see what you can do with this? And it wasn't long before he said, he sent me back a note says, I like that. And then he says, I got it, I got it. And um, that next few weeks, he walked in here and he ministered to us and he ministered this song and I want him to share with us, rest in power, my brother. Minister Lamont Williams, stay. We thank the Lord for being here today all that the Lord has done for us. We thank the Lord for staying with us. Hallelujah. Come on, say, Lord, I thank you for covering me and keeping me in thy will. The song says, stay. I know what it's like To be in the presence of the Lord And not know what time it is Cause time stood still And bodies were healed And families restored because we stayed here in the presence of the Lord. No one had to say a word. Couldn't even make a sound But I give up everything For this treasure I found I never wanted to end stay I don't want you to go cause my heart is burning in your presence Lord 
this testimony because I want more I want more I want more Jesus I want Robinet and those beautiful children 
and I want you to know we're praying for you. We're going to help you get through this week, and we're not going to forget about you. We love you. We send our prayers out to you and your entire family and the Shiloh family. Everybody join me in prayer. Father, we love you. We know, Lord, that you are our God, and in you we put our confidence and our trust. And even when we can't understand, we yet trust you. Even when we might wish to question, we trust you. Even when we are physically and emotionally disturbed, we trust you. We not only trust you, but we seek your presence and your peace as we live through these see-nothing days that you might be ahead of us to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings on you. Blessings on you. I've been dealing over the last few weeks, and I, I won't take the full time tonight. Just give me a moment to recap a few things and then offer just a couple of new things, and I'll come back next week and expound kind of a little bit, you know, uh, Minister Lamont, I'm very close as with all the ministry team. We've been working diligently together. So I am, uh, the peace of God is what's holding us. Amen. It's the peace of God and only the peace of God. And I think it's because I have learned to live with the quiet mind for these troubled times. And that's what this, to this topic's all about. The quiet mind for troubled times. And this is number 27. Yeah, the quiet mind for troubled times. We've been looking at that passage of scriptures. said, be still and know that I am God. If there's a time we need to be still and know that I am God, it's right now. We need God. And we need to be still before our God. We need to trust our God. I suppose that Paul in Colossians chapter 3, which we've used kind of grounding us in the New Testament, verses 12 through 14, says this in the Message Bible. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. I suppose that right now we need the quiet strength of God. And we need to give our, our lives over to a life that God will be most pleased with. A life functioning on the spirit of forgiveness. If anything, we are to know that there's no promise to tomorrow. And so we need to walk in forgiveness today. There's no telling when the next time you get a chance to meet that person, to say, I'm sorry, to say it was a misunderstanding, to say, can we reconcile? 
We're not given to life permanently. Life is a journey. It doesn't last very long. And when it's over, it is over. And so each of us ought to have to take this time now to examine ourselves. What have I left undone? What have I left unforgiven? What grudges am I holding that keep me back and maybe even hold back someone else? What hurt do I feel that's keeping me from being free to love like God wants me to love? What hurt do I feel that keeps me from wearing the real wardrobe of righteousness? And how can I help someone else be free? If I've been a participant in bitterness or a grudge, if something's been going on and I've been a part of it, how can I break the cycle of pain so that if it is his to call and minds to answer, I will hear him say, well done. I have suggested to you over and over again from the text in Matthew 18 that we drew upon last week that there's a responsibility on both the hurt and those who gave the hurt or injury. The hurt have a responsibility to share what has happened. The injured have a responsibility to respond in love and to seek forgiveness. The hurt have a responsibility to forgive. The injured have a responsibility to ask for it. And what we need to recognize is that you and I have to get to the place where we care about how someone feels. What we care, it's not good enough for us to live a life saying, I don't need them in my life. My life doesn't have to have them in it. I'm, I'm a part of that, I don't need you, so since I don't need you, you don't matter. That kind of activity falls contrary to the love and trust and will of God. And so if, if that's contrary to the love, trust, and will of God, then it means that to do the right thing is to be concerned. It is to care. It is to be compassionate. It is to go out of your way. I, I used to listen to that passage of scripture, you know, Jesus says that if they compel you to walk one mile, walk two. And that used to bother me until I realized that what he was really saying is, if you must go out of your way, go all the way. Do whatever you need to do. Sometimes you and I have got to let pride, and I don't mean pride as in care of one's appearance and pride for what one has accomplished. I don't mean that. I don't mean false humility. I mean, we've got to let that verbato, that false hubris go so that we can be a part of community. You know, whenever you're part of community, it means you have to give something up to be in community. You can't be in community or in fellowship with others without surrendering something. And that means for all of us, if we decide to live in an apartment complex, we surrender some bit of our privacy because somebody knows when we come and go out. If we live in a household, someone in the neighborhood knows when we come and go out. There's really no way not to be in community and not to be uh, available in some form of our lives to one another.
and to learn how to live in community, to learn how to be a part of a fellowship and to care about what people care about you. That doesn't mean that you're going to let some mean-spirited, evil person make you sad because they're evil. No, what it means that, here's what the scripture says, in everything that lies within me, live peaceably with all people. And I made that change from all men. With all that lies within you, seek to live a life of peace. Now that's important. And, and as we raise that passage scripture in Matthew 18, we raise that story of that wicked, and he calls him contemptible slave. That's Matthew 18, that's in verses 23 to 35, that story. 32 is where he calls him a wicked, contemptible slave. And he says, I forgave you all that great debt of yours because you begged me. Wow. You know, all of us have done things before God in the presence of God that if it were not for the forgiveness of God, they are contemptible enough to put each of us in the flames of hell. All of us have committed some sin. I believe it's Romans 3 and 23, which simply says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I need to tell you, you're not good enough to live a life of unforgiveness. Went over somebody's head, let me bring it back again. You're not going to be good enough to live a life of unforgiveness. Worse, you will never be good enough to live a life of unforgiveness because you will always need to return to the forgiveness and love of God. Mistakes happen, sins of omission and commission. You will need to be covered by the loving presence of God and God's forgiveness. And thankfully, the scriptures only really give one exception to receiving it. And that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Outside of that, God says, okay, you messed up again. Oh, okay, come on. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, when people think that, that God's forgiveness of sin, oh my goodness, he God's going to forgive sin. So how many times God forgives? Well, God keeps forgiving. But understand, there are unintended, unintended consequences for every action. Okay, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Everybody knows the rule, you know the law. So that means that if I commit an action, there's going to be a consequence whether or not I am forgiven of the action or not, there's a consequence. So 
when people say, oh, so-and-so got away with it, no, we never get away with anything. There are always consequences, and many of them are unintended. So we always deal with what we put out. We send it out, it's coming back. We sow the wind, we reap the whirlwind. Reaping and sowing. Sowing and reaping. And you, you have to deal with what you sow. But forgiveness is not about the consequences. Forgiveness is about setting right with individuals and with God. Not about the consequences. You know, I, I mentioned a few weeks back when those saints went down there to, uh, to speak in the trial of Dylan Ruth, those uh, persons who were a part of that Emmanuel, Mother Emmanuel Church, that horrific uh, uh, slaying and massacre there. When those victim impact statements were given, they were given in such a way that says, we forgive you, or in some cases, others were still struggling to get there. But they were not there to say, send, set him free and put him back into society. No, there are consequences for what you've done. But I don't have to go to prison with you. My dear Sister Moody said something to us. Uh, Sister Carolyn Moody, the Minister Carolyn Moody, wonderful saint of God, woman of God. Her, her son was killed in a nightclub. And... Uh, mistaken identity, totally unattended, what have you. The man killed him, they killed him. And so when we were doing an after Bible study conversation, she shared something with us that I thought was just so profound. She said, I knew I had to forgive him because I did not want to go to prison with him. Wow. To not forgive him was to go into that box with him where he belonged, prison. But she didn't belong there. By releasing it, she was able to free herself from the pain of walking into that prison with that man, even as a prisoner within her own mind. You and I have got to learn Forgiveness is more about the person who is given the forgiveness than it even is about the person that is forgiven, although both benefit. I said last week that you to walk with the mind, mercy, and ministry of God as your North Star. The mind, mercy, and ministry of God as your North Star. This is important because if I get the mind of God and that is what is guiding me, then I'm going to function different than if I function in my flesh. The scripture teaches, let this mind be in you that which was in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ was to reconcile the world and so if I have the mind of Christ, I have the mind of reconciliation. The ministry of Christ given to the ambassadors who are of the church of Christ is to, the ministry of reconciliation. 
And it is all done by the mercy of God that reconciliation takes place. It is completely undeserved. That's what mercy means, undeserved. Quit talking about they don't deserve my forgiveness. That's not mercy. If they deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. It wouldn't be grace. If they deserved it, no. You give it because you have the mind of Christ, the mercy of Christ, and the ministry of God, and Christ as your North Star. And by North Star, we mean your guidance. That's what guides you. I mentioned last week, and I'll throw these in really quickly. I don't want to talk long about them, but I said there were five, path, five steps on the path of reconciliation. And I just want to give you these five steps um, because they're just, I think they're so important again for those of you who were here last week. Quick review. Number one is desire without disdain. And, and I, I can't say enough right now about how important the, that, that is for us. You know, that we get to the place where we don't dislike, don't hate, don't, ah, I can't begrudgingly do things. You gotta want to forgive because you wanna be the best you you can be. You wanna live your faith. I said number two, to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. You don't have to go in always ready to fight. Now I know some people, and unfortunately some of them are right here in this Bible study now. They go into every situation looking for a fight. They come ready to fight. They looking, you know, they're ready to blow up at any moment. You need to be able to have conversation, to have disagreement without losing your cool, without losing your mind. That means you need to learn how to control you. Of course, you must know that I'm leading you towards where I'm going in my next segment. That's not a part of these first five. So get me with me now. You can't do disagree to disagree without being disagreeable if you're not in control. Because if you're not in control, then you're going to blow up. Number three, discernment without damnation. And, and that's almost a, a way of saying discernment without judgment. That I'm not looking to be uh, judging and putting somebody in a way and walking away from them as though they don't count. So it's discernment without damnation. That's an important piece. I've gotta be able to, to discern. I need to know what's going on. I need to have that in my spirit. But I don't always need to be looking for the hardest and harshest um, thing to happen to that individual. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we um, I, I know I've said this before, but we have that Old Testament prophet um, spirit on us where we're ready to put somebody uh, down real quick. We, we are ready to, okay, 
fire come down now, bear come down to eat them. Uh, you know, we almost want to say, sick them, Holy Ghost. Get them. Come on. Thank God God doesn't do that to you. Remember, the same what you measure out is coming back to you. That's why the scripture says, judge not that ye be not judged. With the same measure, so the same measure will be to you. So learn how to have discernment without damnation. Then discussion without dominance. Discussion without dominance. No one ever really wins a, an, an argument. No one ever really wins a fight. We can have a discussion. We can talk this out. And I don't have to dominate the discussion. Because there's always multiple sides to everything. You know the old adage, there are three sides to every situation, yours, mine, and the truth. The reality is that that's life. That's life. So you need to hear each other out. You need to talk. You may find out there's more commonality than distance, which leads me to number five. Distance without disassociation. Distance without disassociation. Meaning that if I can, I want to still maintain some semblance of contact, even if it's not what it, what it could have been. I don't want to cut people off to the point where I then treat them as, watch this, inhuman. See, the idea that I'm raising with disassociation is, it's one thing to treat someone as a Gentile. It's one thing to treat someone as a tax collector. It is a whole nother thing to treat someone as though they're no longer human, which means I can do anything to them. Those persons in our congregations who are members of law enforcement and members of uh, uh, prison uh, service bureaus and boards, they know that it's, you can always see someone at their worst in prison. But just because they're at their worst, just because they're having their worst time of their life, their worst moment, does not mean they've lost their humanity. And you should not lose your humanity in trying to work with them. And see, that's the problem with a lot of what we see in brutality cases. And again, not all officers are bad or evil, but we can't use that as a cop-out not to get rid of those that are, or not to at least change the system to work with those that are so that they can do better. But what happens is, if you see an us against them, those in blue and those not, or those of us that are human and those are inhuman, those are animals over there, those are animals. When people start making other people out to be animals, the idea of its objectification alone indicates how they're going to treat them. So that you have to be careful, ladies, when a man calls you by a animal's name because it will speak to how he may treat you. So if he calls you a female dog, then you may want to treat you like a dog. Be 
careful when we start saying these people are all animals. If they're animals, then all I need to do is cage an animal, tase an animal, shoot an animal, beat an animal. You listening? What happens is when I am able to take a human being and ascribe simply an animalistic characteristic to them, it may be that I ultimately treat them in that way. Which will tell you why some human beings take on animal characters that they wish to personify. That's why, that's why uh, the, the Tiger Woods father named him Tiger. I'm, his nickname was Tiger. I want you to go out there. I want you to be, I want you to be the, the one that is on the prowl. I want you, you're not the prey. We end up taking on characteristics. Be careful of, of those things. And what I have to know is that I can have distance without total disassociation where I, disassociation has a number of connotations. Disassociation means now I no longer have to think of your humanity and now I begin to function with you in human. That's why I said without disassociation. They were still grouped into people, Gentiles, tax collectors, but they were not taken out of the human race. Let's vow to do better. Let's vow to do better. We can do better. I was thinking about this and, um, and, in, in, and in truth form, as I was praying about this text, the, the passage dropped in my mind in Ephesians chapter four. And, and it was something that the apostle says, and I just wanna raise Ephesians four for just a brief moment. And if I can, let me read it first, um, just for a moment in the, oh, I'll read it in the um, Amplified Version. In the Amplified Version, Ephesians 4, beginning of verse 1. He says, so I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling. Thank you, Jesus. Live your life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is to live a life that exhibits godly character moral courage, personal integrity, a mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. Verse three says, make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. Wow, that's a whole bunch. I wanna, I wanna um, give you this, write this down. To forgive is an exhibition of godly character moral courage, and mature behavior. To forgive is an exhibition of godly character, moral courage, and mature behavior. 
Now take, take with it from what you will. I'm not trying to call you out and say you're immature. But if that's what you got out of that, that's because you what you needed. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take some character to let go of some stuff. Some courage and some character to release some stuff. Yeah, stuff happens. It's going to take some courage and some character. Some mature behavior. Notice he gives us in verse 4. He gives us four things. And I will not elaborate on them much tonight. Very briefly, I'll give them to you. I promise I will start here next week. I'm giving you all I can for this evening. I'm loving you. I'm loving you. Here it is. Look again. Here are the four words. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give you the four words first so you can see it. Put Ephesians 4 verse 2 back on the screen for just a second so we can get the words. Ephesians 4 verse 2 in the Amplified says, with all humility is the first word. He gives them humility. The second word there is gentleness. So he says with all <laughs> humility and gentleness. Self-control, that's what that means, with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. So the words there are humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Those are the four words. Let's talk about them for a moment. The first word, he wants us to get it in our spirit that we need to get to a place of humility. And that is contentment. 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 It is important that you learn to be humble. Now, humility doesn't mean you go around all sheepish. and No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that you are aware of who you are. You're aware of the blessings God has given you. You're aware that God has blessed you maybe with great education or, or resources or wealth or a wonderful family. But you're also aware that you're no better than anybody else. That's what humility is. Humility says, I may have some stuff, but it doesn't make me better than you. May mean I have more, than, more stuff than you have, but I'm not better than you are. I may speak perfect English, but because you don't, doesn't make me better than you. No. No. It, what humility means is that I am content enough within myself that I don't have to put you down to be myself. Nor do I need to hold you down or hold something over you so that I feel better about myself. I don't stand up on you to get ahead. I don't need to use your back to step up the ladder. Humility means, look, I am conscious enough of my own stuff that I 
know that God has blessed, overlooked, forgiven, put under the blood, that I'm not going to dare try to act as though what you're going through is so much worse than what I've done. Let's see, some of us, if we were honest about it, the only reason we're in the position we're in now is because we didn't get caught. We didn't get caught. That's all it is. We did stuff that just didn't get caught. We took chances that just did not materialize in somebody figuring it out. We were places we wasn't supposed to be in. We did stuff we wasn't supposed to do. And we just didn't get caught. Humility recognizes that and says, okay, I know what God has done for me and what God can do for you. I'm aware of who I am now and I'm aware that God is working on both of us. Now I'll expand that argument later on, but let me just move it on to gentleness. Gentleness. And that's carefulness. Carefulness. You know, I need to learn how to be gentle. I need to learn how to be gentle. I need to learn how to, to, to treat people right. I need to learn how to get myself where I am, well, I'm going to say this twice, where I'm under control. And I'm going to come back to control again under patience, so I won't say much about it, but, but I, I need to get to the place where I'm not always the loudest. I'm not always the roughest. I'm not always the most difficult. You know, sometimes my, um, I walk around my own house and, and my children will be in the room and I walk in and my, particularly my son is good for this. And I wonder why, Benjamin. Anyway, uh, he's like, don't sneak up on me like that. What you sneaking around for? Boy, as much as I weigh, nobody's sneaking. I'm walking. But I don't walk heavy footed. I don't sit heavy-footed. I don't sit heavily. I don't present myself heavy. Why? Because I, I live myself as gentle in my spirit. My spirit is gentle, and I want everything about me to convey that, even in my eyes when you see me. So that when you see me, um, Tara Banks is all about uh, smiling with your eyes. You know, that's her thing from the America's Top Model. And she's kind of coined a word that she's trying to get Webster's to put in the dictionary. Something about, about smilish or something like that with your eyes or eyelids. And, and, you know, some people can really mean mug with their eyes. They just, they just look, they just look me. You see them. Just looks like they don't have a, a peaceful, happy bone in their body. Yeah, I, I, ladies, I'm picking on you, but forgive me. I've seen some expressions on some sisters' faces. It took them when they look at their children, they look like they don't have a maternal bone in their body. Matter of fact, look, they want to break every bone in the poor child's body. 
And some of us walk around looking mean every day. Look, you don't have to mean mug anybody. Life is too hard. Life is too difficult. We in the middle of a pandemic. Try to smile sometime. Be gentle sometime. Everybody going to too much. Help us out. You know, you, you know, I um <laughs> this is the truth. You can see some people who they might have been pretty at one point, but they've been mean mugging so long that they now look like the mean mug they were giving out. You gotta be careful. You keep frowning up so long, before you know it, that'd be where your face stuck. You would be doing the, the, the cheerleader song. You know the song. U G L Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Oh, oh you oh, you ugly. Oh, I'm sorry. I needed that one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I gotta move on. I gotta move on. I, I promise not to take all the time. Number three is patience. Patience. And for me, this is calmness. I, I'm, I'm going to come back to this specifically and spend most of my time next week on this area. But I need to tell you this. You've got to cultivate calmness. Calmness for me is humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance, which is the same word kind of with patience. This is the quiet spirit in a single word, calmness, calmness. Cultivate calmness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance. This is the quiet spirit in a single word, calmness. You gotta get yourself to calm down, to calm down. You got to get yourself. Breathe in. Why do I tell you to breathe? A part of your meditation is simply breathing. When you oxygenate your body, You breathe in goodness. You breathe out impurities. A part of getting to the calmness of spirit is being able to live your Christian character because your spirit can be accelerated and excitement and by and excited, I should say, by what's happening but it also can be calmed by what you do. Why do you think people hyperventilate? First thing is just breathe, just breathe. The old method is to even have them breathe into a paper bag, just breathe. Because in breathing, we bring our body system back in line to learn to cultivate calmness is something I'm going to need to, I'm going to resonate 
and, and, and I'm going to try and say it resoundingly but respectfully enough that you can get it that some of us have been too anxious for too long and our anxiousness about everything causes anxiety and that anxiety causes us to exacerbate our feelings towards what has taken place and keeps us from getting to a place of being able to release things thus walk in the spirit of forgiveness which is godly character I, I want to say this off the, off the cuff but I'll say it anyway calm down control yourself or be controlled by others calm down control yourself or be controlled by others now it's important you recognize that you know um, when you can't control yourself there are people who can do it for you you, you have to bring yourself under subjection you know um, I've, I've, I've seen enough uh, of in life to know that if you take care of you Others don't have to. If you learn to bring peace to you, no one else will need to bring it for you. In my rushness for tonight, I want to say this. You need to understand something. If you keep losing control, people will watch your pattern. They'll see you lose control. They'll see you, as we say, freak out over stuff. And when they see that, guess what they'll do? They will exploit your lack of self-control. What you need is anger management. And I could replace anger with the word emotional management. And that means you can be emotionally manipulated both in the positive and negative. Let me do this again. If you don't control yourself, others will control you. I can emotionally manipulate, someone can emotionally manipulate you all day. Guys learn it early. They learn how to emotionally manipulate women with things like compliments, with things like, like providing stuff they want. What they try and do is emotionally they, they learn that if she's more interested in you, they may, they may or may not be a communicative, emotionally manipulating. You, you have to be careful because what you've got to understand is if you're not in control, your lack of control will allow others to exploit you. This sermon is so deep tonight. We are just, oh my God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Nothing but the Holy Ghost. I can tell you, this is nothing but the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm here on the fumes right now. This is nothing but the Holy Ghost. God is, God is trying to speak to somebody. That's why I'm here this evening. God is trying to speak to somebody. I promise you this is the Holy Ghost. Last thing. 
in Paul's line. I'm just at the first couple of verses of Ephesians 4 and I'm talking this thing. So let me just give you the last one. The last word is love. And that word is caring. Caring. Let me tell you something. I'm going to read you Ephesians 4 verse 2 in the Living Bible. If you got a Living Bible, see it in the Living Bible. This will close out my, my teaching for the night, and it will be all A equals all B, all B equals all C, and all C will therefore equal all A. I'll close out where I began. Watch this. Here's what he says in the Living Bible. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. I want you to love enough so that you can forgive folk and their faults and their foibles and their foolishness. I want you to care enough about how someone's gonna survive that you show the love of God in everything you do. And when you do that, and you function in the character of God, you'll find out that God wants you to have the quiet mind. The quiet mind is the result of a quiet spirit. Developed, develop your mind by practicing contentment, carefulness, calmness, and caring. The quiet mind is the result of a quiet spirit. Develop your mind by practicing contentment, carefulness, calmness, and caring. Well, I love all of you. Praise God for you. So glad you joined us tonight. You know I ask you to continue to keep the family in prayer. They're going to need our prayers over the next coming days. So let's hold them up. Uh, let's be a blessing to them where we can. I want to tell you, you, if you get a chance, sow a seed. If you sow a benevolent seed, I promise you these deacons will, will send it forth. I would love to see us bless our dear sister's family and help them in any way we can. So sow a seed. There are several ways to give. Cash app. GiveLify, send in a check. We want to bless them and help them. Whatever God lays, I want you to know something. God is a good God, and um, we have to trust him. You know, I've got to trust you when I can't see you so I can see you one day in peace. Well, I love you, brothers and sisters. I pray this has been a blessing to you. This has been another one for Jesus. God bless you. Stay prayerful, know this much, 21 minutes each day of meditation. And when you do it, you're going to get the peace of God. Read your word, pray, hear good music, cut out some of the news, and know that God is with you. You go in peace, and the very peace of God go with you. Shalom. Shalom.